Welcome to Hello, Hello, the No-Tell podcast. Hello, Alex, Hello, the No-Tell pod- podcast. Mm-hmm. Should I introduce myself? Or yeah, the... please. Yeah. I'm Alex Owen Hunt from FGI Magazine at the Financial Times. I'm speaking here with an amazing gentleman who is the leader of this podcast, presumably. Who's the host? Is it me or you? No, I don't know. I'm the I host. <laughs> yeah, you're the host. Sorry. I'm the host of this podcast, Alex. Um, I'm just teasing. I may yeah. not publish it, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. Sure. So... I guess I'd already discussed in previous email with, or questions I sent over to Edward about your international expansion plans. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, but that was maybe. Have a you month. met Edward? I haven't. I think. Oh, he, okay. I think I might. He's see around. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get yeah. to shake his hand. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize a face from the, the little. Uh, I think I've met one of your. Call. I don't know how closely you work with the regular newspaper people, but Judith um, Evans. Uh, do you? No, I think it's it's weirdly siloed as an organization oh, because we have a different floor separate. different cafeteria yeah and we've just moved offices <laughs> different floors oh that know. disgusting office building that old ft one is that the one you're in? that's that's been and gone well, this is oh, this is the last week oh thank heaven the last um, thank heaven but yeah we are in a beautiful open agile working space oh now, sweet which has made are there couches difference. uh there are towards the side are there uh, high tops uh, like a high top table high t- yes there's tables you can stand up phone booths and, there are a lot more meeting rooms, which makes a massive oh. difference because it was always people fighting for a room uh-huh. to give interviews and that sort of thing. Daylight? A lot more daylight. So essentially you have a central column, which is just um, well, open column apart from the lifts. Mm-hmm. And then each floor is like almost a donut shape. Mm-hmm. And it's just open plan for the journalists and they've now moved commercial people to mm. the side. So it's certainly made a far more- Is it quieter? Weirdly not, actually. It depends. I mean, there's particular teams that are slightly louder mm-hmm. than others. so. Maybe they're further away. They and talk to each other, or they talk on the phone. A uh, bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. But certainly, there's a lot of. Phone you guys calls must have things. to talk a lot on the phone. But you yes. don't do that in a meeting room. You do it at your desk. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if I'm having a very important phone call, I'd like to take a, right. a room yeah. for myself. But, but like um, your everyday interview with some source or whatever, you'll just do it at your desk. Yeah, if it's a quick call with an analyst for a yeah. news piece, it's probably just done at the desk yeah. to get it out as quickly as possible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess it all depends. Sorry for my excessive interest in your office. No, no, I'm, no it's, I'm, it's very endearing, and I'm <laughs> very interested in your offices, so it's, uh, it works both ways in that sense. Um, so from the questions that Edward answered, mm. uh, he mentioned that you basically, and this is this whole modular idea, that you can cater to uh, business, business needs, and that, that's very easily changeable. I just was thinking in terms of your business model, yeah. how is that part of the set subscription or fee that you're already charged them, or is yeah. it on top of that? Yeah, you know, there's flavors. People might want something a bit fancy, and so we yeah. might have to adjust the price to reflect. But the core is just pay something every month to get everything you need. Yeah. That's the core. And it has never been like that before. This real estate business is absurd if you look yeah. at it with fresh eyes. It's as if you ordered uh, an iPhone from Apple and had to assemble it yourself upon delivery. Yeah. It, it, there are so many little bits and pieces you have to figure out and understand and whatever. Um, and so our thought was, yeah, hey, customer, you have a business to run. Uh, let us just deal with it for you. Everything. Everything. Like yeah. even moving in or cleaning up or, yeah, sure, the furniture. And, yeah, your needs will change. I mean, an essential capability we've had to develop is the ability to tailor but and mass to mass produce masterpieces for customers that are utterly bespoke for them but from a set of strategies recipes and tools that we deploy regularly with really high velocity I mean, we're opening a dozen offices a week all around the world yeah there's no one who does that and as the dozen increases to a hundred a week um, no one will catch up what we've had to do though as we are pushing through so much velocity is 
figure out ways to do it faster and bespoke in a way that is incredible and delightful and wonderful, but fast. And then that can change. This space that we're in right now, I told you how it can change, but it is not, it is not a one-off. I mean, this is representative of what we do. All the places change. Yeah. No one moves offices because they like to move. Nobody takes a space from us with the intention of leaving. People leave an office because it's too big, too small, or doesn't work right. Those are the three problems. You guys left that brutalist creation yes. partly because it didn't work right. Yes. It just no longer worked as intended back in the 60s or whenever the hell they put up that yeah. monstrosity. It stopped being beautiful and interesting, engaging and collaborative and stopped having the right number of phone rooms and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, our view is the building should change. Sure. And that has involved reinventing how it works. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you for elaborating on that. Uh, so you kind of position yourself as the main competitors to WeWork? No, or, never. Or maybe... We're bigger. You're bigger. In Paris, okay. New York, and San Francisco, but very soon here too. Yes, okay. But you're, you're a competitor of WeWork nonetheless, perhaps, in, really. some, in some sense. I'm going to tease you about this. Yeah, I won't, no, I won't let you have it. What, would you, no, what no, do you really fine. want to I would just interested if you had any view of their confidential filing for an IPO. Does that affect oh. any of your strategy? Do no, you I mean, I think it's nice. That? I think it's nice. I, I wish them well. I, yeah. I think that companies should go public when they're, when they're ready. And, um, uh, you know, if they're ready, that's great. And the, the better they do, it's great for us. I mean, we very rarely meet them in the market. You will be astonished that we very rarely are competing with them on anything. And the simple reason is how small they are. The property market is uh, 100 times bigger than us and them combined. More than 100, maybe 500 times bigger. At, th at this point, we're a few basis points, no tell, uh, as a percentage of the total office market. But in New York, we're around 1%. Around 1. Just 1%. Yeah. yeah, and there's a few other companies that are another 1 or 2% or whatever. But it's really the other 95 that... Uh, that the competition is on. No one wants a lease. There is no company that wants more leases. It's not just a colorful way to think of it. It's, it's a tangible fact about the way heads of real estate at large corporates are planning the future. There is no one with the lease portfolio of office whose intention is to grow it. Zero. Yeah. None. I haven't met any. Some of the largest companies in the world have made lots of progress moving from 80 or 100 million square feet that they had a few years back to now 60 to 70, and the mission is to make it smaller, but it's not a mission to, to have fewer people. The largest companies in the world are prospering massively, much to, I think, the political concern of some. Yeah. But these large companies, because of globalization and technology, are getting bigger. There are more people, and they're massively productive, but they want fewer office leases. Hmm. Yeah. Why would that be? It's because they want us. Yeah. And do you think, uh, just as off, off the cuff here, do you think that's just because of the service you offer and the, the spaces you create? Or is that more because it's a more affordable option for them? Do you think it's strictly a business case, or is it also... It's better, faster, yeah. and cheaper. Yeah. It is that rarity that a product is better, faster, and cheaper, that trinity. Um, it is cheaper. Companies spend uh, an extra pound or two for every pound they spend on rent. That is not seen by the real estate industry. They just collect their pound of rent and are happy. These other couple of pounds are wasted. They're spent so inefficiently and poorly, very slow, and it's miserable. If they give us 
if they give us the, the opportunity, we save the money, yeah. And often we get the opportunity when they would also like a better place and have it faster. Companies are often searching a year or two in advance of a need. This move for the FT probably took quite some time. Yeah. Companies are doing deals with us in, in weeks or days or hours. We did a deal recently, our first deal that took one hour. Wow. It came faster than a pizza. The people were in at 9 a.m. They signed it at 8.15 in the morning, and they were in a beautiful office in the exact spot they wanted to in an hour. And I think, I think that isn't a one-off thing. It's just a new high watermark in the way that our business is working. No one ever thought it was possible, and now it is. And now the, the intent and demand of, of, of clients will, will follow that. It's, yeah. it's going to change. Sure. But they want their own office these large companies. They don't want to work in my office or my space or my community or my whatever. They want their thing. And so the reason I think that we have this avalanche of, of large enterprises that are choosing us is because they don't want to be sold a different kind of pizza. They want the pizza that they want. They just want it faster and at a better price and more conveniently than they've ever been able to yeah. consume it before. And it's very interesting to say that because that's the main criticism I've heard of we work from either on an anecdotal sense of people who've just gone there and said, oh, I'm a freelancer, I was expecting to be in a really collaborative space, when they just have a recruitment firm next to them who are just on the phones all day, and it completely ruins their experience. So it's very interesting that you, your offering is certainly perhaps more catered to what companies and big corporates are looking for. Big companies are not looking for new friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is probably leading on from the IPO question. Is there any thought of going public at any stage, or are you quite a few years off that? I think companies should do it when they're ready. Yeah. Uh, it's not an, it's not a goal. It's just a step in the life of a large business. Uh, and that, that time will certainly come. Yeah. We aren't big yet. We're just getting started. Yeah. Even while we're bigger than any other company I ever started in my life. We have such a huge market that this isn't going to be fast. There are companies where you get to hundreds of millions in revenue and billions of revenue and you think you, you're, you're done, that you've won. Yeah. Uh, we're, just, we're just getting started. We're not even at 1% of where, where we will be. Um, so I probably, probably better break back to the focus of my magazine, which is all about foreign direct investment. Mm. Uh, you know, you're... You've Here in this country. Well, no, it's globally. So uh, it's wherever the trends are. And uh -huh. you are currently rated sixth on our uh -huh. database in terms of Why? the first quarter. Uh, I think you, it's to do with all your expansions into, mm -hmm. I believe, Paris, Berlin, because mm -hmm. uh, I know you've got two, one in Mitte and one in Meringdam coming in, the, in summer twenty. Yeah, and a bunch more we're about to open yeah. in Berlin. It's really picking up. I mean, here we're almost at 50 in yeah. London, and I think we'll cross 50 in Paris uh, in probably in September, October. Yeah. So I guess my question would be, are you going to focus on these large cities that you already have a presence in? Mm -hmm. Or do you have plans to expand to other large cities? Because I know that you tend to follow your clients in the sense of, it's, this is my impression and interpretation of it. You perhaps maybe expanded in a, in a different way to WeWork. WeWork was expand, go everywhere. We just want a presence everywhere. We want to be the first mover. Whereas you very much, in my view, taking a smarter and more measured approach where you have just gone to the big cities where there are clients there, or maybe where you already have clients in one particular city and they have a presence elsewhere. So, so bring back to a general question, are you planning to just expand where you already have a presence or are you planning to expand to other cities? 
40% of GDP happens in 30 cities. So why fuck around with all the rest of the... Yeah. That 40% is office workers. People don't work on farms anymore, and soon they won't work in factories either, but total global output continues to grow. Uh, it'll double in 50 years. The world's getting richer per capita. Cities are now 50% of global population, 80% in rich countries. It's a 5,000 year trend that I think will continue. Yeah. That the largest cities keep getting larger. It does benefit some smaller cities as they depopulate the, the rural regions around them, but really it's the biggest cities. There's a handful of super cities. We're in one now. Yeah. We're in seven others now, no tell. And there'll be another 15, 20 cities for sure. These large, deep office markets are absolutely where the action is. I'm sorry, but I won't help you with your office requirements in Marrakesh. Yes. But I'm happy to take the business in Madrid or Amsterdam or Dublin. There are a few other large cities in Europe that are relevant like that, apart from the ones where we already are. Uh, and, in, and at the right time, we will be there. I think we've already made it quite plain um, that we're about to open also Dublin and Amsterdam. Yeah. And there'll be a bunch of other German and, and other cities. Yeah. Okay. But it is because corporates go there. And a, a fact that you may not already know is um, that the global office market, it's a business, like smartphones, and it only has a thousand customers that are half of all the revenue. Now, that is a very unusual fact. It is very rare that there's a market that's so concentrated. Those thousand companies are the ones above us and below us on that FDI list that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones that build huge teams of people and move them around. And every large company is in a dozen cities, maybe, but not 300 or not 1,000. Yeah. And so I don't know what the strategy is at, at, at these other companies, but uh, I like ours better. Yeah. I will say that a benefit of that strategy is that we're coming up on Checkmate in a bunch of the markets we operate in. I think it's a bit early to declare, yeah. but it's close. The coverage of owners is what this business is about, not the coverage of large enterprises. The market for real estate, the ownership of real estate is so fragmented and so global that there is no one who has 1%. If we were, let's say, to establish uh, relationships with three times as many owners as the other guys in New York or two times as many owners as the other guys in San Francisco or five times in Paris and here in London I think we're already ahead of them if we had more owners relationships the way you would notice that is we'd, ha we'd have more properties more specific buildings you might measure the horse race between us and others in total square feet or in revenue or cities but it's actually just owners and if in the largest cities in the world we have demonstrated to more owners that our value proposition to them is more attractive and that we are steadily advancing through their portfolios, then the outcome of the, the competition is already known. That's really interesting, thank you. Um, not to take too much of time, I'll just have one final question if possible. Oh, we have lots of time. I mean, my podcast is usually around half an hour. And half, we're only an half, half an hour? Half an hour? We've got yeah. plenty of time then. Yeah, just relax, um, lay back in the cut a little bit, let's go Yeah. somewhere you hadn't thought about. So, yeah, okay, this is maybe a, not a difficult question. And maybe By the way, FDI, of, why are you not curious about Brexit? Shouldn't you be? We are very curious about Brexit, uh, and certainly we've been following Brexit FDI flows mm. before and after the referendum. Yeah. For example, my colleague and deputy editor did a piece 
that compared the seven quarters before the initiation of Article 50 mm -hmm. and the seven quarters following. Mm -hmm. They found that in every administrative region apart from London, the number of greenfield FDI projects fell. So that shows, again, this kind of comes back to your point that you were yeah. saying, that you know, the larger cities are where everything's happening, this is where the investment is going into, this is where the opportunities are, and this is what investors are following. Um, arguably a shame, then this again can feed into the whole Brexit reason that Brexit happened, that London has been such a draw for investment and yeah. such a, a buzzy place where everything is happening, there's a lot more opportunities. Yeah, the that, political that. sort of consequences So it's interesting that. that, you know, business is very respective of politics and it needs to consider political situations when yeah. making investments, but actually it's perhaps exacerbates certain already underlying tensions within society. That's a sweeping generalization there, yeah. but you know. No, and I think it's true. The, but the um, the crisis of Brexit for the last eighteen months that we've been operating here in London has been extremely good for business. Yeah, our business. It's been extremely bad for other people's businesses. But the flexible office business is one that folks often wonder what will happen when things go south. They're south and going further here in London, and yet we're 10 times bigger than we were a year ago. Flexible office thrives in periods of uncertainty and transformation. I wish this was a better period for the British, uh, but it hasn't hurt us. Yeah. And what I take from it is I'm looking forward to that crisis in San Francisco or Mumbai or Los Angeles or New York or wherever because it has tangibly demonstrated what happens in a down cycle. Yeah. I see it very clearly now, of course, being spread across a net of, of super cities uh, helps us too. So the troubles in London, even if they were a net downdraft, they have helped us a great deal in Paris and, and very soon you'll see the benefits in Amsterdam and Dublin, but they've helped us in London and around London and our strategy has been designed to profit from that transformation. Yeah, and yeah, that's also another question I've just thought of. So. You made two acquisitions, one of which was Ahoy Berlin, mm. another which in, in Berlin, of course, and Deskio in Paris. Yeah. Would you find, do you find that a more effective strategy than maybe just going into a place and setting up yourself? Or, I mean, or maybe just explain that as a yeah. strategy? Uh, look, if there's places we want to be, we've got to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And we haven't been around that long. We don't actually know anything. Yeah. We're, we have so much more to learn and so much further to travel. And we're novices in the business. Like, I don't know anything about real estate. And over the first couple of years, as we were figuring it out for New York and we were getting rolling, we, we realized, well, you know, it will make sense to do this thing in some other cities. We'll have to give it a try. Let's find out. Let's try a few ways to, to figure it out. And if there's a place we want to go, in, here in London, for example, we hired a few people to help us develop the, the business here. And we watched how it went and how long it took and some stuff like that. And, in other markets where we might have bumped into some wonderful entrepreneurs that had a admittedly rather small business, co-working-ish kind of thing, we, we noticed, ah, these are people that will be able to help us a lot. They, they, know, they know a lot more about the local conditions and the property owners and, and some of the clients, and maybe even in the case of Ahoy, have a great brand that is really well regarded among the technology and innovation communities. Okay, let's find a way to do something with these guys. These people are amazing. It is about people. And what we noticed in Paris, when we ran into Descao, uh, Frank and Ben, yeah, we met amazing people. We met people who understood very deeply what we do already, because they were doing it. They had invented it themselves, apart from us, without anyone really noticing. In one of the largest markets in the world, Paris is the only market um, 
after Tokyo, uh, that's larger than New York. New York's one of the biggest, and then Paris is a bit bigger, actually, and then, and then there's Tokyo. Paris is a very attractive market, very French. It's almost like Tokyo in the sense of being an impenetrable yeah. ecosystem. Uh, and our relationship with um, our, our new friends and colleagues that, that run Notel in Paris, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a romance, perhaps. But yeah, again, it's about people and entry. And as we can now consider other places, and this is what you're asking, is are we going to go buy something in Spain or whatever? Uh, as we now consider other places, it is a question of our aspirations and capabilities. What is the separation between our aspirations and our capabilities? Can we figure out Spain, given where we are now? Or do we need help? We're getting better. We're now in five countries, and there's another one about to open the sixth. And the machine is, is working. And so we'll evaluate what's available to us in different places. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's starting to look like we can, we can do it. And I'm sorry to keep referring, or referring or comparing in, in reference to WeWork, but just yeah, there's who, been a lot. Who is that? I, it's yeah, funny I that who, it's on your mind. We who? I did see that on one uh, one uh, blog post of yours. Um, so there's been a lot of concerns of the profitability of WeWork, and yeah, I, or, and naturally this comes with the territory of expanding pretty quickly. Not only, I mean, yes, you're right to give yeah. it that, that caveat, that the generous point that yeah. technology companies sometimes uh, invest to conquer territory. Yeah. There's something else that's not right in that business, and it was an, a starting point for how we um, operate this business, and it took us some time to figure it out. But if you take uh, real, if you take property and you invest almost as much as the owner had invested to build the space, if you invest again that number, it's very hard actually to earn that money back. Yeah. It takes quite some time, and I think there is a fantasy in the world of co-working, because there's about a thousand co-working companies, and 999 of them are small, and maybe these guys are, are pretty big, but all of them share a very high net investment up front with a fairly lengthy payback period on that investment. Now, it's a bit jargony and wonky, and I won't go all the way into it, but yeah. our businesses are fundamentally different. In a handful of rows of a spreadsheet, it's clear. And what it boils down to is we provide a service to bigger customers who pay more money for longer periods by investing less money. It's a astonishing that that would be true. You would think yeah. that if you invest in huge palatial cubicle glass whatever places, that people would pay you more, they'd pay you less. You'd think you'd get the bigger, better customers, you get worse, the dog walkers and the web designers and the recruiting firms. The world's largest companies pay us more money for longer durations in huge blocks for more space on something where we have found a way to invest a tiny fraction of what the WeWork people do, and in fact, are able to do it at a tiny fraction of the cost that those corporates uh, would have to incur themselves. So it's, it's like water into wine. Uh, it's magic. It, it is a magical thing that, that is possible. Uh, and from time to time, there is a technology or an innovation or some kind of new thing in the world that is better for everyone this is that. It, it saves companies money, it saves companies time, it makes owners more money, it helps brokers and the community of agents get deals done faster and get paid faster and make more money, ultimately. It helps everyone who's in the business make money and be happier, and it still makes us money. It's quite amazing. When you see the adversarial tonalities of some of these other companies, we're going to disrupt this and we're going to crush it. I never have to say that in any meeting with anyone. I show up and I give them a gift. And it is what has been accelerating our business. So yeah, profitability. Companies do need to invest to get big. Yeah. But the, the, the fundamental model 
should also be good. Sure. And I'm not so sure about the co-working business. Yeah. Search the web pages of the largest companies in the world in this category. You will no longer find co-working. Co-working is dead. Yeah. We killed it. And you can see the evidence on, sure. on their homepage. Um, this is perhaps like a self-indulgent question just because I've stayed at Selena before and also written an article about them. But have you heard of Selena, the supposedly co-working hospitality brand? They started, I just, I was interested what you thought of that concept of basically integrating a hotel hostel environment with co-working flexible spaces yeah. to work. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think that there are so many cool ideas. Like there was the first day that you could like put up a web page. It seemed like an awfully wonky thing. Yeah. And it seemed like the business was making web pages and I'm going to have a company that makes web pages. But once it's like possible to do something new, there are so many fresh ideas that become available that had not been heretofore contemplated. I think that one's cool. I think experiences around learning or around communities or professional groups or around, you know, families. Like there's so many different kinds of experiences that happen in real estate, but real estate has traditionally been very difficult to deal with. If you could, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, you might. There's all these, like, and I think that one's lovely. And, I, and some of them are our customers. I mean, there are venture capitalists and incubators and like tech stars we did an event with yesterday. Well, they're a customer of ours in, in New York. And you know, people who want to accomplish things, they, they need spaces. And our, and our work is to help these people accomplish more. And arguably, maybe that's self-reinforcing in terms of your successful funding rounds if you are already providing great <laughs> spaces for venture capitalist firms. That's funny. But you know, it's funny because it's, it's that's almost... That's just me making it... Uh, it's funny because it's your... almost true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the coming months, I may have an announcement related to that that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But um, what's even more self-reinforcing, if you're curious, is that the largest pools of capital in the world are largely allocated to real estate, not venture capital. Yeah. You know, if, if, you're, if you're the everyday billion-dollar sovereign wealth fund of whatever country, trillion-dollar, um, you're in, like, 20 to 40% real estate. In private companies and growth capital, it's, like, 1%. Yeah. There aren't enough startups in the world to fund. It's actually in real estate. But it's so rare that a transformational company over in this column, the little tech innovation column, yeah. can come and change the 30 to 40%. It's really fucking... It's colossally, trans I mean, it is transformative to the asset. Yeah. And these guys own a lot of, of real estate. If it could double in value, because people are able to get so much more out of it, then you've taken 300 billion and made it 600 billion. It's like, it, it's, it's not something anyone's ever seen before in the real estate category. You never go to a meeting and have someone say, oh yeah, you know how your building's worth whatever, do this thing and it'll be double. Yeah. But that's what our thing does. Those are my questions. Thank you so much for taking the time. I hope I've, I've filled in a little bit of your podcast. Also. Yeah, thanks for being on Hello, Hello, the No Tell Thank podcast. <laughs> hello, hello, No Tell <laughs> podcast. <laughs>